This is our 11th and I think final session on this unit of 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 to 22. And remember last time, or I guess time before last, we said that this ground clause here relates back and breaks the list here in half so that this last unit is distinct from the preceding list of always doing good and uh, always rejoicing and always or without ceasing praying and always in every circumstance giving thanks. That's one unit. And then comes this one, the Spirit, don't quench. Prophecies, don't despise. But everything, test. What is good, hold fast. From every form of evil, abstain. Now that's, I know grammatically, the way I've translated that is clumsy. I did it intentionally because it reflects Greek that's not clumsy, namely, in every single case, the verb is last, second, quench, despise, test, hold fast, abstain. And I think he writes like this because in Greek, he could have switched them around just as we could have in English, and he didn't because this is somewhat jarring and thrusts into the center of our consciousness, consider the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, consider prophecies, consider everything that flows from those prophecies, consider what is good, consider what is evil, and then with those realities being thrust into our face, he tells us what to do. Don't quench, don't despise, test, hold fast, abstain. So, Father, as we focus on this last unit, grant us to understand what's going on here. Why, why did Paul bring up prophecies? We haven't even seen this anywhere else in the letter. Show us what, what's happening here and then teach us how we should relate to prophecies and to testing all things so that we can hold fast to the good and abstain from every form of evil, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, out of the blue, seemingly, at least for us, maybe not for the Thessalonians, he brings up the issue of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in spiritual gifts like prophecies, and he gives the impression at Thessalonica, prophecies perhaps are being despised. And the Spirit is thus, because of this despising of this spiritual gift, being quenched. And so he tells them what to do. Now, why would that be? What? Where did that come from? What are we to think here? And I don't know the answer to that. Let me give just a tad of a background, then I'm going to make a suggestion. What is the gift of prophecy? Here's Paul in First. Corinthians 14.3, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So, prophecy doesn't necessarily mean telling the future. It means telling something that God has brought to mind. 
that you didn't just come up with on your own. And he reckons with the reality that um, there are false prophecies. And probably that's why the gift of prophecy is being despised, because some people are acting like nuts at Thessalonica. They're saying things that are off the charts unreliable. And what, what are we supposed to do about that? Well, in 1 Corinthians 12.10, the Spirit gives different spiritual gifts to one, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. Oh, so prophecy is given and somebody claims that God has revealed something to them and it's not assumed that they know what they're talking about, right? Because others are given the ability to make distinctions between whether that claim is right or not, which is exactly what John, in his letter, chapter 4, says to do. Beloved, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets, there's the problem, right, have gone out into the world. So you can't just take anybody's word for it that they're speaking a word of upbuilding prophecy, which God has brought to mind. In chapter 14, verse 29 of 1 Corinthians, he says, let two or three prophets speak, and then let the others weigh, <laughs> test. So you might stand up and say, I have a word from the Lord for this church. And Paul doesn't assume you do. He says, there's a group of people who need to get together and put their head to that claim and weigh it against the word of God and weigh it against wisdom and weigh it against your track record and your attitude and your maturity and come up with a conclusion. So what's going on here? The, he's trying to protect the genuineness of words that God has brought to mind for the upbuilding of the church from being despised, and thus the spirit from being quenched by this cynical attitude towards spiritual gifts. There's a lot of that in the world today. Cynical attitudes towards spiritual gifts, and they quench the Holy Spirit. Why would that be a problem at Thessalonica. Now, I said I don't know, but I do have an idea, and I'll commend it to you. Do you remember that there's a great problem with idleness in the church? Remember chapter 3 of Second Thessalonians? Now, we command you, brothers, in the name of the Lord Jesus, that you keep away from any brother who's walking in idleness disorderliness, and not according to the tradition that you receive from us, for you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. We weren't mooching off of people like these folks seem to be, but with toil and labor we worked hard night and day. You might say, holding fast to what is good that we might not be a burden to any of you. Now, such persons, these idle people, such persons we command and encourage in the Lord to do their work 
quietly and earn their own living. Now, why were people, why was there this problem with idleness at Thessalonica? And I'm going to suggest from the second chapter of Second Thessalonians this, and it has to do with prophecies. Now, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, so second coming, we ask you not to be quickly shaken in your mind or alarmed, either by a spirit, in other words, a prophecy, a spirit, or a spoken word of prophecy, or a letter that seems to be from us. So Paul gets word, it seems, from the church that people are claiming to be speaking in the Spirit. They're speaking, and they're, some of them are saying they got a letter from Paul. And the upshot of all of those is, the day of the Lord is upon us. So I'm figuring something like this. So a guy stands up in the church, maybe it's a woman, either one, and he says something like, I have a word from the Lord. I believe the day of the Lord. The Lord revealed to me last night in a dream that the day of the Lord is upon us. Paul said it could come, and the day of the Lord is upon us. And we should not be giving ourselves to secular employment, but giving ourselves urgently to the disciplines of the Spirit. And so join me and quit your jobs and let's pray all day and, and we'll be paid by other people and get food from others. <laughs> I don't know if that's what happened, but it sure makes sense that that's a problem at Thessalonica. And this comes out of the blue, it seems like. Don't despise prophecies because the people in the church were saying, that's an idiotic thing to say. Paul didn't say that. Paul would never support such a thing. Paul worked like crazy when he was here. He worked with his hands night and day. This mooching off of other people and skipping our jobs is not in accord with the apostolic tradition. What a stupid spiritual gift. No, they shouldn't say that. They should test. They shouldn't quench the Holy Spirit and say, there is no such thing as people exhorting and admonishing and encouraging and consoling with things that God has brought to their minds. No, they should just assume nobody's infallible except the apostle when he speaks as a teacher in the church. What are we to do then? We are to test, which is what they've done. And Paul had given them much to test by. Test what is good and hold fast to what is good. And the opposite of holding fast is keep your distance from every form of evil. And one form of evil is idleness. Not earning your own living, mooching off of other people, becoming busybodies because you have fallen prey to a false prophecy about the second coming. So that's my way of trying to put together what's going on here. Respect and love spiritual gifts. Don't despise them, and therefore don't be guilty of being a cynic who quenches the Holy Spirit when he's at work in the church. Instead, have a sober, rational, spiritually wise mind to test 
all things by the apostolic word and by wisdom and by experience in the spirit. And when you do that, hold fast to everything good and keep your distance from everything evil.